Exodus chapter 40, verse 9 to 11. It says, Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all its furnishings to consecrate them and make them holy. Anoint the altar of burnt offering and its utensils to consecrate them. Then the altar will become absolutely holy. Next, anoint the wash basin and its stand to consecrate them. Bit weird. Now, if there's anything that has us feeling inadequate as Christians, perhaps you'll agree with me, it's this concept of feeling holy. Like, what? You and I are meant to be holy. For most of us, we feel like the only holy thing about us is our socks. When someone arrogantly parades around their self-proclaimed moral brilliance, we're quick to think, ah, they just have one of those holier-than-thou attitudes, right? Like they need to come down from their moral high horse. Like some people think that they're better than others, and we think, get down from your ivory tower up there thinking you're better than everyone. We often think that holiness is a term used to describe moral perfection. In fact, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines holy as this, religious or morally good, exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Now, the problem with this definition is that biblically speaking, it's wrong. Biblically speaking, that's actually not true at all and not how we would describe holiness. I'll get to the meaning in just a second. If you've ever read the scriptures and you read about these holy um, different priests that are ministering in the tabernacle, if you're like me, you feel inadequate. Like I can't relate to that. Most of us think we don't have that level of moral perfection to relate to it, and so we feel distanced from it. And then so feelings of guilt, shame, and inadequacy begin to set in. We think if that's what it means to be a Christian, count me out. I'm disqualified. Like, I'm not good enough for that. And we even read in Leviticus 19 that it says, hey, guess what? God says, you are to be holy as I am holy. And I read that, I'm like, oh gosh, really? Like in the same way that God is holy, I'm expected to be holy? If you've ever thought that, it's okay. Welcome to the camp of misunderstanding. A place that we've all been, a place that we will all be again, a place that I frequent far more than I wish to, but it's a place of misunderstanding. See, now there's no doubt that God calls us to be holy. It's clear in Scripture and we can't, Look at Scripture in a way that benefits us. We can't work our way around that. It is abundantly clear. God says, be holy as I, am as I am holy. But as you dive a little deeper, you begin to see that it's clear that to be holy never came with it a requirement to be morally perfect. Um, that's great news for Darcy. <laughs> She's close though. She'd be the closest thing. Now Hebrew, the, the original language of the Old Testament, Old Testament is in Hebrew, New Testament is in Greek. That original language that we're reading this verse in is a unique language when it comes to word studies. Every word carries with it the meaning of the root word that it derived from originally. So the Hebrew word for holy is Kodesh, which comes from the root word Kadesh, right? Like crazy change. In simple terms, it means to be set apart for a specific purpose. So there are times when moral righteousness and godly devotion are connected to holy people, but on its own, holiness does not actually refer to righteous perfection. So when the Bible calls something holy, it's not speaking of purity or righteousness. Rather, it's saying that something is set apart for the purposes of God. Remember how in that verse we just read, God instructed the people to anoint the different things with oil, the utensils, the, the lampstands, all the furniture, all these random things. Well, last time I checked, a lampstand couldn't have moral perfection. A utensil couldn't be upright in righteousness, and yet those things were de declared holy upon being anointed. And so it's clear that to be anointed and to be holy was not a matter of moral perfection. So when God is calling you and I to be holy as He is holy, He's really calling us to be set apart as He is set apart. 
And so by definition, we all have a whole bunch of different holy items in our house. If you've got a coffee pot that is used exclusively for making coffee and not tea, well, you have a holy coffee pot. Your toothbrush is used for only your teeth, right? Right. And everyone said amen. Look, I don't want to intrude on the way you live your personal life, but don't you dare share a toothbrush. It's better to be unbrushed. Your toothbrush has an exclusive purpose, and therefore it is a holy toothbrush. Now, there's nothing divine about these household items, but they're set apart for a unique purpose. To be holy is to be set apart for God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, God speaking to his people Israel, he said, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. In Exodus, they were instructed to anoint with oil so that they could be declared holy. That was the purpose. Anoint with oil so they could be declared holy. We know that's not moral perfection, but rather to be set apart. You know, often in the Bible, oil represented the Holy Spirit. Oil was a representation of the presence of God. And I just want to clarify as we make our way to the end of the service and we'll be praying for people and anointing with oil that the oil is not special. It has no healing qualities. It doesn't have any supernatural qualities. The oil is representative and affirming of the power and presence and favor of God in your life. Now, although it's representative, it still holds significant value and to anoint with oil is a clear instruction with God. Oil doesn't heal you. God heals you. Oil doesn't set you apart. God sets you apart. Now, to be a son or a daughter of God means to be set apart, called out by names, loved, purposed, and commissioned, but to do all of that and be all of that, empowered by the Spirit of God. See, what does it mean to be a person who is set apart? We understand that these different lampstands and all these different pieces of equipment in the tabernacle were, uh, they were anointed and therefore declared as holy and set apart for a purpose. But what about people? What about you and I? Well, let's look to the greatest example we have in the Word, the example of Jesus. He said this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love this. Jesus is saying that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Him because He has been anointed. The anointing consecrates you and I as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. It declares us specifically set apart for the purposes of God in our life. Now, Jesus knew a couple of things in that verse, right? Jesus says, I've been anointed and therefore holy, set apart, consecrated for this work. He knew that he was to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He had an assignment and a purpose. He had a calling and an area to make a difference. Jesus had the confidence that the Spirit of God was upon him. The Spirit of God was with him. But the telling sign for Jesus, how did he know it? It's because he was anointed. It was the anointing that gave Jesus confidence that the presence of God was with him. In fact, he said it in these exact words, the Spirit of God is upon me because I've been anointed. Now, the anointing empowers us, you and I, ordinary people, to do that which God has called us to do. And while we all serve the ultimate same vision of knowing God and having God be known in the earth, what each of us do as part of that picture will look different from the person to our left and our right. It's going to look different for each of us. The anointing sets you apart and breathes supernatural power over what He's called you to do and who He's called you to be. Elam Christian Center, Papakura, I need to remind you this morning that you are a holy people. 
You probably never considered yourself holy before. You're like, not me, no way, someone else, not me. You are holy because you're set apart for the purposes of God in your life. And it's not by your own might. It's not by your own strength. It's not because you deserve it or you've earned it. But by the grace of God, you have been set apart. So what does it mean to be set apart? For the next few minutes, and I've got a a shorter time that I'm going to speak because we want to make more time to pray for one another at the end. I want to just journey through a couple of things of what it means to be set apart. Because we can say set apart. Cool. What am I set apart from? What am I different from? What am I being set apart from? Well, the first thing is this. The anointing, it sets you apart from somebody else's lane. Have you ever noticed that, maybe you've noticed, there's some people that might pray for healing over someone and they just seem to be more effective than others. They're not God's favorite. They didn't learn more scripture. They didn't give more in the offering, right? They are just an ordinary person that has been anointed and set apart for this purpose. Now, we can all pray for healing. We can all have faith for that, but some people are anointed and more effective in that area. Have you ever had anyone comment on how naturally good you are at certain things? Perhaps it's that something that you have been anointed for and set apart for, for the glory of God. You know, when we try to run in someone else's lane, we can trip each other up. We can disqualify ourselves from the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives. And I'm not saying that there aren't others that might share our lane, that might run the same race, that have the same gifting mix, but you have been called to be effective and efficient in some things and not in other things, and that's okay. You were designed to be you, to run your race, to use your gifts, and to make a difference in a way that matches your gifting. The anointing should provide you an ease to what you do. Doesn't mean it's always easy, but you're probably going to find it easier than others find it. And to take the pressure off you trying to be someone that you're not. See, the anointing enhances your gifting. God's given you the gifting, but you need the anointing, the presence, the favor of God to make it effective. The anointing on your life creates a pathway for you to walk in, and it's your pathway. It sets us apart from someone else's lane. The second thing is that it sets us apart from striving. Now, I've said this many times before. I realize sometimes I can sound like a broken record, but I really need you to hear this again today. What God has called you to do, He will equip you to do. So often we feel like God has called me to do it, but I'm stuffed. I have no idea how to do it. I don't have the tools. I don't have what it takes. You absolutely have what it takes to do everything that God has called you to do. Because if He calls you to do it, He's not going to send you out to be eaten alive among wolves. He's going to give you what you need. And part of the equipping that He gives you is the presence of God in your life and an anointing over your heavenly calling. In your family, in your workplace, as a parent, part of the equipping is that God breathes life over your gifting and over what you put your hand to. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had to do something that I know I'm called to do, but for whatever reason, I start to doubt it or I start to think that it should be someone else. I'll be brutally honest with you. I know without a doubt that I'm gifted, called and anointed to preach. And yet I often find it really hard to write sermons. Like, quite often it doesn't come naturally to me. And yet even on the days where I feel like I haven't done the best job, I know that God gives me the words to say. He opens people's hearts and it's effective. He always gives me the words to say. But far more important than me being happy with the words is what God will do with them that matters. I've come to learn that none of us are as good as we think we are and He's always better than we think He is. And I don't mean to that be like, you're not as good as you think you are. Like, settle down. No, like, you're amazing and you're gifted and you're called. But just that on its own can't achieve great impact. But with the breath of God upon what we do, He is better than we ever expected. And all of a sudden, things come to life. 
And when I say that the anointing sets us apart from striving, I don't mean that that means we don't need to work hard to develop our gift. The Bible says we need to fan into flame the gift of God, right? That we should actually pour fuel on the fire to help it grow, to be good stewards of what God has placed in our hands. But the cool thing is that you don't have to prove anything. The love that God has for you is not dependent on how well or unwell you use your gift. His love for you is perfect and it's incomparable and it's always chasing after you. You're not trying to prove anything. You don't answer to anyone but Him, but it's God that allows fruit to grow out of what we do. The anointing is the difference between something being good and something being godly. See, every person in this room is capable of doing good things all on your own. We see it all the time in community. People do good things, but we will never do anything God breathed without Him. We need his presence in our life. Let's be a people that hunger and thirst for a move of God. Let's be a people that desire to see his hand at work, not just our handiwork. Right, let's be focused on what God is doing. Let us be a people of faith that believe God is good to his promises. So when he calls you out and he prompts you to go get across the room, maybe here at church or in your workplace or out on the street at the shopping mall, he says, hey, go and pray for that person. You simply being obedient to that is you coming up with your end of the, the, the arrangement. You say yes, and then God breathes on, and it's His power that brings healing and breakthrough and comfort. You say yes, God does the rest. Let us be a people that just keep saying yes to Jesus. That's freaky, because there's so much unknown in that, but I've learned that He can be so trusted, that He's faithful, that He's good, that He's present. He never leads you into anything that He doesn't think that you can handle, as long as you're leaning on Him for that strength. Don't make the massive mistake and I've seen it before, and I've done it before, of thinking that we need to do the work of God. God does what God does. We don't heal anyone. We don't set anyone free. We don't bring great revelation to anyone. We do what God says, and we point them to Jesus, and He does that in their life. You know, God chooses to work with us, which is such an amazing privilege. I think sometimes we become a bit numb to that, like, oh, I'm in the dream team. God used me. That's cool. It's like, no, we're part of something so significant that's so much bigger than us. God chooses to use us. But when we carry the burden for the outcome, we're carrying a burden that was never intended for us. So I wonder what it is that God might be speaking to you about. Maybe he's already been speaking, or maybe even now as, as I'm speaking, God's prompting you on things that you could be obedient to, but trust God with the outcome. Maybe you can sing or play an instrument. And you've seen our amazing worship team leading us and you think, man, I could contribute. I could use my gift. I could use my talent. I could be part of that. But you're unsure how it would work out. Just join the team. Just go speak to Tim. Just go do something about it. Maybe you've got a good understanding of the gospel message. Like you're feeling pretty confident on that. And you've been praying, man, I just need some bravery or some confidence to share that gospel message with somebody that doesn't know God. Maybe you're a man in here and you know that the Bible's clear that men are meant to be the spiritual leaders of the household, but you're just not sure. I need to remind you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has anointed you. Your obedience coupled with God's power is what truly makes a difference. There is no striving in the grace of God. Striving is different from trying. Striving is different from working hard. We work hard, we try, we put our hand to the plow, we develop our gift, we fan into flame the gift of God, but we don't need to strive, we don't need to prove anything, and the anointing sets us apart from that pressure to do so. Thirdly, and, and my final thing this morning, is that it sets you apart from worldly expectations. Now in Leviticus 19, well, I mentioned earlier how God said, be holy as I am holy. Well, that's in Leviticus 19 at the start of that chapter. In 19 and 20, where he starts by saying that, 
And we understand that to be holy as God is holy is not to be morally righteous or perfect, but to be set apart for the purposes of God. And yet it's interesting because in those two chapters, he still goes on to explain, if you read them, a whole bunch of different ways and behaviors where a set apart person should look different. He lists behaviors that are good and God honoring. It includes the Ten Commandments and a whole bunch of others as to how a set apart person should live. Now, living morally commendable lives is not what makes you holy, but it's what a holy person builds into their life. A set apart person is meant to look different. Have you ever thought it was kind of weird when you read the Bible that God had all these different laws and instructions that Israel had to follow, but nobody else had to follow? Like, don't wear a garment made of two types of thread. Okay, sure. Don't muzzle your ox while it treads grain. Don't sow your field with two different types of seed. Now, we're not under those laws anymore, but they were absolutely relevant in the day. It's because he had called his nation Israel to be set apart and to look different, to be different and to look different. So it was specific. But that now extends to you and I. God calls you and I to be different and to look different, not to be weird and look weird, but to be different in the way we align our lives with Christ. To be set apart and holy means to live our lives for the satisfaction of God and not what current culture would have us do. You know, we often compromise, don't we, to current culture and expectations because we believe the lie that current culture will determine our future. But in Psalm 5 verse 12, it says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. And again, it's not righteous because we earned it or deserved it. It's not in our own strength, but by His grace. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. So when we align our lives with God's instructions, we do, do so with joy, knowing we're aligning our lives with one that called us out and knows us by name. The anointing of God empowers you and I to choose right from wrong, to live upright lives that bring glory to God. It's like a supernatural nudge when the flesh is trying to pull you the other way. Being set apart means being a light in the darkness. Right? Only light can dispel darkness. Only light brings hope. Only light is attractive to others. Now, this is really interesting. You remember when Jesus says, I'm anointed to, and then he lists the five things that he felt called to do. Well, it's interesting because four of them were simply to proclaim. He was called to proclaim good news about the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, and proclaim the favor of the Lord. The other one asked something of him, which was to set the oppressed free. There are some things in life that you need to take action on to look for the opportunities, to get involved, to minister, to make a difference. And then there are some things where we just proclaim what the Lord is doing. We just declare in faith what God is up to. I love Wade Rowe. Many of you, he's, I don't know if he's in the room right now, phenomenal man of God in our church, mentors a lot of the young adult men. I love chatting to Wade. I always feel so encouraged after every conversation. And he often says this to me with a, with a lighthearted grin on his face. He just says, we just find out what God is doing and we get involved in that. I love that. Not God, we're doing something awesome, I promise. Come and get on board with what we're doing. But God is up to stuff. Let's figure out what he's doing and get on board with that. The anointing helps you tell the difference of when we need to take action and step out and minister and get involved and make a difference. And then there's sometimes we're just like, I need to shut up and just declare the goodness of God. I just need to pray over something and get out of the way because this is not for me to do. When God nudges you to pray for someone in your workplace, he gives you boldness and courage and the anointing of God is upon you. When you need the courage to invite someone to church and you're just not sure how it's going to go or what words you're going to use, the encouragement from Luke 12, 12 is, is for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Maybe you're hosting a small group and you know you've got the gift of hospitality. You're confident you set up a nice hospitable environment. You know you've been obedient to God and saying yes to being a leader, but you're still apprehensive and nervous. I need to remind you 
that the anointing of God is on you that he's gonna bless whatever you do with the gifts that he's given you and he's gonna allow you to be effective. It's okay to feel nervous, it's okay to feel apprehensive, it's good, you're stepping out, you're trusting God in faith, but he's gonna breathe life over what you're doing. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to take action. But then there's a couple of other situations, right? You may have found yourself in these where you witness an injustice and you don't know how to help. You see something take place or you witness something and you've got no idea how to help and the Holy Spirit reminds us that it's Him that can bring about a miracle. It's God that can bring about, bring about a breakthrough. And it's in these moments that we simply profess the goodness of God and declare God's promises over them. Maybe you look at your messy family dynamic and you're like, man, that's a mess. And there's just no way I can help on my own. In fact, if I tried, I'd probably make it worse. I need to stay out of it. But your heart's desire is to see unity in your family. Don't give up on that. God is a God of breakthrough. Proclaim the goodness of God. Stand on His promises. Declare unity in the name of Jesus over your family. The anointing of God, it's like, it's the confidence, it's the assurance, and it's the evidence that the Spirit of God is upon your life. It was the anointing that gave Jesus confidence that God was with Him. He's been set apart by the anointing. Holy, not moral perfection, but righteous in the eyes of God. Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Him to proclaim. Sometimes it's not about what you can do, but believing that God will do what God said he'll do. And oftentimes it's also believing that God has already done what needs to be done. That you and I don't need to be the savior of the world. You and I don't need to take responsibility for every other person's salvation, for every other person's gifting and what they're doing with it or not doing with it. But you and I have been declared holy. Why? Because we've been anointed power, presence, and the favor of God on our life, set apart for that purpose.